Well, last week, we started a two-week series on missions. And I addressed very specifically, what is my purpose in life? What is our purpose in life? We, we have that question. It resonates inside of us. We're, we're driven to find out what that is. And, and so often, we, we try to find out our micro-purpose. And I spoke of a macro-purpose that we really have to understand and realize that our micro-purpose fits into the bigger picture. And I mentioned uh, as a part of last Sunday that we have to think globally. We have to be mindful that we've been sent on a mission that Christianity is, should not be devolved into merely private personal devotion. We have been sent out. And so we talked about that last week. If you didn't have a chance to, to catch up on that message, I would encourage you to do that. So this week, we're going to talk about the global side of things. And for that, we have a guest speaker. Rich Rice is here with us. And Rich is a, the executive director and co-founder with his wife, Marina. Am I saying that right? Marina. Uh, they are uh, co-founders and the director of the, the, it's called WIND. I'll get it out of my mouth there. WIND is a missionary organization to serve the people of Guatemala. As a matter of fact, Rich just got back on Wednesday from being there. Now, what Richard really wants you to know is that he is proud to let you know that he is the father of Amanda Naylor and the grandfather of Micah and Caleb. So that's pretty cool stuff right there. And they're here. Sean, you kind of fall into the mix somewhere in there, right? Okay. Um, but anyways, um, Rich is going to share with us this morning from the global side of things. So would you welcome Rich up here? You got me? I always got to make sure to have this off in case you happen to hear me singing. Um, it always is a big fear of mine that I would leave the mic on at inopportune times, and I wouldn't want to traumatize anybody here with that. It was beautiful worship. I love that last song, God is so faithful. Amen? Just, it's, it's so, such a blessing to be here. I've been up on this platform one other time, well, twice if you count this morning, but the other time, the whole um, area down here is full of little princesses and outfits and so forth and a father-daughter dance, and it was just incredible to see. It's a little different now, but we still have a lot of bright colors since it's Mission Sunday, and that's just awesome. It's, uh, it, again, is such a blessing to be here. I just got back from uh, Guatemala. We had a dental team that was down there serving the school. Um, we served about 108 kids um, help them with dental needs that they had. And I think it was our 12th dental mission that we've had to Coatzal. And it's a community um, in Guatemala. Our first trip with the dental team, I think we were doing nothing but extractions. Um, it was pulling one tooth after another because of the serious um, dental issues that the kids had and even the adults. So what we have done now is continuously go back, and part of every team is a dental hygiene component, and so we go into the schools and um, have a chance to teach dental hygiene. And now, as we look at it this year, um, a very high percentage of what the, what the dentist did was filling teeth and doing preventative maintenance. And other communities aren't as, as fortunate um, as having that, that sustainability. And I, I think about going and making disciples to all the nations. Um, 
And part of that discipleship is that long-term relationship and being able to do things like we did there. I just, want to, I just wanted to also say that I was going to spend a little time yesterday uh, preparing for today, and I, I sat down with Sean and Micah and Caleb to watch a couple hours of baseball. I don't know if any of you got caught up in that, but six and a half hours later, I was still watching baseball. Is any, was anybody here, was anybody in that stadium yesterday? You were? Wow. And over here too? That must have been incredible. It must have been incredible, the, the noise that must have happened. It seemed like so many uh, third out strikeouts and the crowd must have just been going crazy. I'm sure you're tired. I, you know, praise God you're here today. I mean, just, it's just incredible the, the, the volume that must have come out of that, uh, that uh, stadium. Um, as Kevin said, we're, um, last week he talked about the macro view, and the macro view is critical to understand in Matthew 22 what Jesus had to say about the great commandment. And then in chapter 28 of Matthew, talking about the, the great commission that we're all called and I, in determining what our goal looks like it is really, really important. Today, I'm going to spend a little time talking about the micro view. And you'll pardon me, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories of how God uh, used Marina and I as we founded WIND and got started with WIND. And I'm going to sandwich that with some uh, scripture in Hebrews 11, so 11 and 12 primarily 12. So if you open your Bibles, we're going to get to that in a few minutes, and you have your finger in there, it'd be, save you some time in a second. And I do think it's only fair to warn you that what I'm going to talk about today, the idea of going, um, can change your life. So I think we, perhaps we should, should have had a disclaimer or some type of a release form that you signed as you came in today, in case the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and moves you into something that can rock your world, and it does, and it did for me. Um, so, I don't know, I'm looking at the crowd. Is anybody familiar with the movie Indiana Jones? Yeah? We've got a few hands going up. In The Last Crusade? Well, listen, if you saw that movie in the, in the movie theater, you're kind of dating yourself. So I'm just, that's, that's it. it was, that came out in 1989. It's hard to believe it was 33 years ago. But there's one scene in that movie that I wanted to uh, bring to your attention because I think it's just so appropriate for what we're talking about today. And it's a scene that finds Harrison Ford, and I'm no Harrison Ford. I'll do my best, pretend like I'm Harrison Ford, maybe not. But anyway, he's standing on a ledge. His feet are about all that will fit on the ledge. His toes are just hanging over. In front of him is an abyss that drops into nothing. It just, it's just, yeah, you don't want to make this fall. And he's standing on this ledge, and he has to get to the exit, which is across this abyss, maybe as far away as the doors over here. And he's got to get there, and he's standing there, and he says, no one can make this jump. And as he's standing there, he has in his hand um, a book. And the book has all the secret recipe. He has the formula for navigating the mazes that only Indiana Jones finds himself in, right? And so he's standing there. He has the secret recipe in his hand. And he's sweating. I mean, he's, he's, he's scared. Because to get to there, 
there's no path. There's no way to do it. And so in the in this, in this secret recipe, it said you had to take a leap of faith. And Harrison Ford says, and we, this is a leap of faith. I have to believe. And he's standing there, and he closes his eyes, and he's got that book like this. And slowly he lifts his foot out, and he takes a step. And what happens? He, he, his foot hits solid ground. A path appears from here to the exit. The look of joy and exhilaration on his face when he did that, it was, go back and watch the movie. If you go to YouTube, there's clips of it. It is amazing. It's called The Leap of Faith. But that step when he found solid ground, just like the book promised that he was holding, is such a, an example of what living life on mission is. So often we don't know what that next step is, but we have to have the confidence in God that he will provide the solid ground we need to move on. Marina and I um, kind of started this path like maybe many of you. Um, unlike Indiana Jones, we weren't standing on a ledge with an abyss in front of us, but we were sitting in a pew. Now, for you guys, you're sitting in nice, comfy chairs. I don't know when we moved from hard pews to comfy chairs, but it's a good thing. Progress is good. But we were sitting in a church service in 2003 at a church up in Bellevue called Westminster Chapel. And the pastor is Dr. Gary Gobranson. He prepared a sermon for us, for the church. But literally, as he was preparing this, he wrote a sermon directly aimed at me. I mean, how nice of him to do that, right? When, when Pastor Kevin gives a message, it, that he, so often he writes a message directly to you as you hear it. Well, we were sitting there on that Sunday, and we were sitting, I can, I can remember to this day, but right in here, those of you, that, those couple that went to the game, watch out, because we were about right there, right? And he wrote this message, and just like a... Um, you know, an archer with a bow and an arrow, he took aim, let that, bow, that, that uh, arrow go, and it hit me right in the heart. It was a message aimed right at me. And what that was that day was a message called, Get in the Game. And uh, to this day, uh, it changed my life forever. You see, he equated our faith and our life like uh, maybe an athlete who prepares for a sporting event for their, for their game. And they're in the weight room preparing. And they're going through all the exercises and they're working hard. They're eating well. They're preparing for the game that's ahead for them. And then he said something interesting. He said, so many of you Christians, us Christians, we find ourselves on game day sitting on the bench. We did all that work, we practiced, we lifted weights, we ate nutritious food, whatever. Here we are, we're sitting on the bench because we haven't taken that step out in faith to get in the game. And like I said, that hit us so hard that day. There was a, in the bulletin, back when churches had bulletins, um, in the bulletin that day, there was an announcement that Guatemala Informational 
mission trip meeting. And I turned to Marina. We had no clue. We drove to church thinking we were going to hear another sermon. We were going to equip ourselves, right? And I said, we need to go to that meeting. You see, I had spent a lot of time as a Christian studying the, God's word. I mean, my quiet time, my time with the Lord in the morning was precious to me. And I would study. I was involved with BSF. I loved to listen to podcasts. I was preparing, and I loved the Word of God. I still love the Word of God. But I wasn't putting that Word into motion. I wasn't stepping out in faith and letting it go to work. And so, for me, that day was uh, very much life-changing. And we did go to Guatemala, and we did um, get engaged. You know, I, I was probably so reluctant. I mean, I had a lot of reasons why I and why we or I shouldn't go. I, I didn't know Spanish. Ola was a stretch. It probably still is, but Ola was a stretch, and we were going to go build houses down in this village. I'm like, if I get a tool out to build anything, Marina calls 911 just to be ready. So it's not a question of, of um, me being capable to go down and build houses. There were so many reasons why I shouldn't go, you know? And so, but we did go, and it, and it changed our lives. And I was standing on a mountaintop as we entered this area called the Ashil. Down below was this community. And God said to me in very clear tone, Rich, this is what I have for you. And this was in 2004. I had no idea what that meant. I just going, oh man. It um, brings out emotion to me now just saying those words because it was so clear that God had equipped, prepared something for us. So many of us, many of us, um, we might not be standing on that ledge with Indiana Jones. You may be sitting in your comfortable seats here. But we're playing it safe, a lot of us. And I was definitely playing it safe. I wasn't challenging myself. And that, that is our story, um, how God moved us out of a church, how, out of the pew, into missions. Now, missions is one of those things. You're all missionaries, as Stephen said. Um, in the workplace, in your neighborhood, in your schools, you are on mission. But sometimes it's good to go and stretch ourselves to an even greater extent. So I encourage you after, after the service, service, excuse me, to go out to the information tables and talk to some of the folks on your missions committee about how you can engage. Don't put it off. Take that step. I wanted to uh, take a look at some scripture in chapter 12 of Hebrews, and um, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. So I'll ask the guys. There we go. It starts out, verse 1, therefore. And as many of you know, when you see the word therefore in Scripture, you have to ask, what is that therefore? Well, that's, that is following chapter 11 of Hebrews, which is, I've always known as the um, Hall of Faith. It's got all the great patriarchs that um, God talked about in there. And it starts out, chapter 11 starts out that 
Faith, is, it defines faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And just like that Indiana Jones, he didn't see the path that would appear, but he had faith that it would when he took that step and his weight moved forward on that path. In my Bible, um, ESV version, I have the word by faith circled 20 times. And it talks about by faith, Abel. It talks about by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Abraham and then Isaac. And by faith, Moses. And then in verse 20 of chapter 11, it says, and what more shall I say? So the author of Hebrews is saying, what more do I need to tell you? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire. This chapter 11 is full of people of faith. But then the next part of this verse in 12 says, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, all those people in chapter 11. And I, I was thinking about when I watched that game yesterday and those of you who heard that loud noise, it's a chance, the chant for one player after another. You know, Jose, Jose. I, I could hear it through the TV. I was thinking to myself, that's what it's like to be on mission and to have a cloud of witnesses cheering for you, to be in the field, having a cloud of witnesses cheering for you. And then the scripture goes on, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Can we advance? There it is. That hinders us. We have had so many teams go to Guatemala. And as we have formed teams, I've had people come up to me, Rich, I want to go to Guatemala. I want to go. But not, not, I, can't, not, I can't right now. Next, next time, I'll go. When this scripture says the things that hinder us, I've had so many people talk about, I don't have money. I can't afford it. Childcare is an issue. What am I going to do with my work? I mean, there's, there's, those are real excuses, right? But what we have seen over and over again is people who said, Rich, I want to go, and they sign their name, and they make a commitment to go on a trip. And then we see barriers fall away. Uh, one woman in particular didn't have any resources, came from a, um, kind of a very poor background, and she said, Rich, I want to go. I said, then let's go. Helped her write a, a letter for financing to fundraising letter. And she sent out 
not that many. And the money started to come in to pay for her trip. And it not only paid for her trip, it paid for a trip of somebody else on the team. God knocks down barriers, amen? I mean, it's, it's, it happens time and time again. We see it in Scripture, how God knocks down barriers and gets things out of our way, whether it's finding that child care or, you know, that extra week off of work. We've had people that went and approached their boss and said, you know, I really want to go this trip. And the boss says, go. You don't know until you ask. There's no, there's no uh, harm in asking. So, and then the verse continues on. After we cast aside every weight, this says to run the race with endurance. That describes motion. Just like in chapter 11, we saw by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, Isaac, by faith. When you attach the word by to faith, it, it, it implies motion forward. And just like this verse, that we run our, our race with endurance, a steady pace, encouraging each other. And then the final part of this verse, which is very appropriate and needs to be on here, is Jesus looking to him, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We always must look for Christ in whom our salvation comes. And I don't know about you, but I personally need this encouragement. I need to think about that cloud of witnesses. Some days um, it's hard to, to keep going. Take your, you know, but God calls us to keep our hand on the plow. He calls us to keep running the race. The Phillips edition of... Um, the Bible, and part of this verse says, strip off everything that hinders us, as well as the sin which dogs our feet. There's so many reasons that get in the way of us going. But once we start moving, God reveals that path that gets to the exit, the path that Indiana Jones found. It's revealed to us. We were um, in Guatemala, Marina and I, and 2010 on a vision trip. We had been training pastors with wind, doing a lot of uh, work with pastors, putting on seminars, teaching these men to um, know scripture a little deeper and just helping them. And uh, we were working with a uh, Wycliffe translator by the name Paul Townsend. He is, um, I love this man and he is such a man of God. I, I wish I could be more like him. But he was driving us around in his little pickup truck. And Marino was in the front seat and I was in the back seat. And he, he came down this hill from the Bible Institute. And this, uh, he, he pulled up next to this path that's in this picture. And he said, up this path is a woman who lives a woman who started a Christian school. And then Paul put the truck into gear and drove off. Up that path lives a woman who started a Christian school. Her name is Tabita. Well, we didn't talk about it at all anymore. We went back to the hotel that night. And we were the next day, we were going to leave the area um, to um, have some recreation on the beach, which who doesn't want to have recreation on the beach? And we sat down at breakfast the next day after not, again, not talking about this at all. And 
Um, okay, so here's, here's my version of the story. I said, Marina says, she said, I don't know who said it first, but one of us said, we can't go on our trip. We've got to extend our time here. We've got to go back to that path and walk up that path. And so we canceled our plans. We drove back to this community, and we walked up this muddy path, a lot of rocks, and it was, um, at the end of it was a kind of a, just a wooden structure of a house, not much, kind of a rickety door. And we walked up to the door, and we knocked on the door, and the door opened, and there stood a woman, and we said, um, we don't know exactly why we're here, but we just felt like we needed to meet you. We needed to meet you. And this woman started to cry. And her name is Tabita, and that was the founder of this Christian school. Well, the rest of the story that we, the God placed us into, what was going on there was the night before she had been praying with some friends about closing the school. They were down to 28 students in this Christian school. They had four teachers that had not been paid for three months. Oh no, for three years. And they hadn't been paid. And so they were on the verge of, I mean, there's there no resources. Um, God had given her a vision for a Christian school and she was frustrated and she really felt this is God's school. Why God am I in this situation? So they prayed about closing the school. Well, God heard her prayers, their prayers, and sent Marina and I to the door. And she showed us around the school a little bit. And we agreed to help her fund those four teachers. I'm talking about maybe a, it was $150 a month for each teacher. It wasn't a lot of money. We said we would like to fund those teachers. And that was something she had prayed for was a sign from God that she should continue. So she did continue. Today, um, this next slide is a picture of one of the graduates um, from, from first grade last year, into first grade last year. She is one of 418 students in this school today. And this is 10 years later. This picture is a picture of the teaching staff. There's 24 paid teachers now in that school providing education for these kids. It's so, it's so education is so important. This picture here is of um, some girls that are in our, we have a 21 girl sponsorship program. A stat to remember, I don't like to throw out a lot of stats, but 18% of girls in this community, 18, who start first grade will complete ninth grade. So one in five girls. I was sitting at graduation and there was 21 girls who were in kindergarten going into first grade. And that stat was fresh on my mind. And I said, which of those four girls, maybe five, will make it to ninth grade? And that wasn't something that I could really accept. And so we put together this sponsorship program to keep girls in school 
Um, and the sense has expanded to a sponsorship program for boys to teach Christian character. This next photo is of the a feeding program that we started. 45 kids every day receive a nutritious meal that had not been getting a meal every day. And then I like to tell the story of this, uh, this girl here that um, Louisa is her name. The picture over here is in sixth grade when she graduated from um, Oreb. She was an honor student, and I'm pinning an honor sash on her. And she was incredibly bright. A few years later, we were doing a pastor workshop, and there was a girl dressed in um, you know, just native wear and sitting in a corner spooning soup into bowls. <laughs> and she looked familiar. I, I couldn't really place her at the time. It was a couple, three, few years later. I asked one of the pastors, who, who, who is that girl? And that was Louisa. Louisa had had to drop out of school because finances were a problem. Well, we, just, we have a scholarship program, and we provided a scholarship for her to go to school. And so the next picture is of her um, graduating. And then this one, she wanted to be a doctor. And she has stuck with it. And now she's doing residency. She's the first woman, she'd be the first female in her family to ever go to university, and now she's going to be a doctor, and she's going to come back and serve her community. But none of that is possible if we don't follow the, what God nudges us to do. It's not anything that we did. We didn't educate any of those kids. We, uh, we, we, we showed up. We knocked on a door because God said, walk up a path and knock on that door. And so, you know, you never know what God might be nudging you to do today. I'm hope, hopeful that you've got a sense of where God is sending you, where your go-to is. Um, you know, when I have a chance to speak to a group like this, there's usually three groups of people sitting here today. I think there's one group, and maybe I should divide it up, I don't know. But there's three groups of people. The first group of people are those who are living by faith now. They're involved with missions, they're involved with feeding program you guys have. They're, you know, you're involved, and you get it, you're encouraged. And so I have two things to, to say to you. The first group who, who um, I'm speaking to, the choir, yeah, you get it. First of all, keep going. It's hard, but remember that cloud of witnesses that surround us. Keep going and be encouraged. And the second thing is, I would invite you to share your stories. Stories are powerful, and they're not our stories. When you, we keep our stories to ourselves of what God's doing, we're denying the story that God invited us into. So we need to tell what God is doing through you. So tell your stories. Second group of people um, are maybe a group, uh, I don't know, um, for us, COVID was a really hard thing, and the pandemic was a really hard thing. Things shut down, things stopped moving, and there's a group of people probably in here who are paused, who were engaged, who know what it's like to put, step out in faith and find solid ground. I know there's a group of you here that are basically on the sidelines right now, maybe on the bench, but you know what it's like. Please, please 
consider how you can get back in the game. If God's nudging you to do it, get going. And then there's a third group of people here who um, perhaps are stuck on that ledge or as I was stuck in the pew because I was a bit fearful of what it might be like. God has been preparing you. So if you're one of these people that come to church and absorb all this great teaching that Pastor Kevin gives and the other members of the staff, that's great. Put it to work. Get going. Get, get going. It's, it's what God has created us to do. So I would encourage you to stretch yourself. I, I sometimes wonder, what if, what if everybody here at High Point got engaged? What would be, what would be the impact to the community and to this world? But sometimes it takes that first step. The hardest step is that first step out of the pew. So as I close, I, I have just a few questions for you to think about. First one, has fear and convenient excuses kept you out of the game? All of us have been positioned and God is equipped and gifted for a specific time and a specific people. And he has a plan just for you. I know he does. Second question. Do you trust God enough to step out of your comfort zone and put your faith into motion? Do you trust God enough? And the third question. What is God calling you to do? What does your go, what does your go look like? Do you feel a nudge to walk up a path? Do you feel a nudge to sign up to help the homeless? Do you feel a nudge to go on a mission trip? Don't ignore those nudges, please. Because he's awakening a burden inside of you. Let that Holy Spirit work. I'm a great example, trust me, that God doesn't necessarily call the prepared. Sometimes he prepares those he calls. We knew nothing about running an organization, nonprofit. We knew nothing about education or building. But God has equipped us and surrounded us by people who do. I've seen this sign at churches. It's called, it says, you are now entering the mission field. And sometimes churches will place it over the doors as you exit the sanctuary, or maybe on a reader board as you drive out of the parking lot. And I think of a locker room where all the players are going to run out onto the field. And before they do, they leap up and slap that sign as a, as a token of that's what we believe. You are now entering the mission field. I love that video that was played early on because right outside those doors, right outside that parking lot, it's an entire mission field for you to engage with. So I would encourage you to do that.
Um, I really have enjoyed an opportunity to, to come and speak to you. It's a, it's a blessing to be here. Um, and I would like to just pray for all of us um, before I step off and give it to the worship group. Lord God, I give you thanks for what you've called us into. I give you thanks for the missions that you put before us, Father. I would ask that, Lord, even at this moment, in this place, at this time, that you would begin a work in people, that your spirit nudge them, Father. We all need that encouragement we get out of the cloud of witnesses, Lord, but we would ask that you help us let go of the things that hinder us and hold us back, Father, that we may be on fire for you and take that step of faith. Thank you, Lord, for everyone here, Lord, and we would ask that you would just equip this church to reach the world. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>